Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Saturday night service on March 6th in downtown Covington. The title of this talk is Wonderful. Last week, we talked about the discipline of stillness and, and rest. And today's talk is kind of related, but talking about encountering God in our day-to-day lives, the places where we work and live. Also, just a reminder, we have resources updated Monday through Friday on the website uh, as part of our 40 Days of Faith experiment, some devotionals, scripture readings that you can go through in your own daily walk with God, and uh, I think you'll find them helpful. So be sure to check those out at northshorevineyard.org and uh, join us along the journey. Thanks for listening and we'll go to the talk. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Oh, oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too. Okay. We uh, lost some people this week, and uh, we need to sort of play catch up. Thanks. Anybody work for that guy? You got somebody in your life like that? Uh, I, I started with this clip because I, I think whether you have a a boss like that or it's just a family member, you probably got family members like that that uh, you, you kind of are afraid to see them coming because I'm not going to get anybody to raise your hands, but you, you know if, if, if this family member or this neighbor shows up, you know they're going to ask you for something, put you on the spot, and kind of make you, uh, you know, give up some of your free time to help them. But I think this is a picture of really just at least a, an analogy for the tyranny of the urgent. And uh, I, I find that too many times a lot of us, probably most of us, uh, instead of being present in the moment, instead of having something in our hearts to offer situations, uh, something to give to the world around us, we find ourselves just in this, this place of reacting to the things that are coming our way. Um, instead of, uh, we, we find ourselves empty on the insides, hunkered down like, like the guy in the cubicle there. <laughs> we, see the, we see the stuff coming at us, and we're just trying to hide away and hope that it'll pass, hope that the person doesn't find us. And, and, and a lot of our time, even our job time, is just, i got to escape. Does anybody remember the band Loverboy? Rock. <laughs> you remember a song called Everybody's Working for the Weekend? 
everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah. I didn't have, an, I didn't have my rock face on. But um, <laughs> there was a brilliant song that came out in the, in the 80s. I was a kid, I promise. Uh, and uh, it was called Everybody's Working for the Weekend. And, and the, the idea behind the song, it was, it was certainly not a revolutionary rock and roll lyric. It was not rebellious in any way because it kind of stated the, the underlying philosophy that, that most people have. And it's the idea that the real action is, it starts Friday evening, and it's over Monday morning. That's the real reason for living your life. That stuff you got to do Monday through Friday, that just, it's, you know, it's, it's a necessary evil. And so we, we identify with that song because we hate our jobs. We, we're, we're, we're stuck in this mundane, boring thing over and over. Maybe you've got a boss like Lumberg here. And, and, and so even on Monday, it's like, man, if I can just get through this week so I can get to Friday again. And, and you know, it's not only when it comes to work, but we, still, we have that same kind of mentality when it comes to spirituality. We, we, we see spirituality as something that happens on a Sunday morning in a building uh, you know, an hour, two hours, once a week. And we see no connection between that time and Monday through Saturday. Oh, and if you come to church here, you may see it happening on Saturday night. But, but we see this, this, this same kind of mentality that there's no spirituality connecting into our regular everyday life. It's spirituality on the weekend. Uh, I... I read a book a few years ago, which I picked up this last week, called Christ Plays in 10,000 Places by uh, Eugene Peterson. And it's a great book. I'm, I'm getting more out of it now than I got out of it a few years ago. But I love this one quote in here. Eugene Peterson says this, Without wonder, the motivational energies for living well get dominated by anxiety and guilt. Anxiety and guilt restrict. They close in on ourselves. They isolate us in feelings of inadequacy and unworthiness. They reduce us to ourselves at our worst. Instead of being formed by the spirit that hovered over the waters and raised Jesus from the dead, we are malformed into the lives of moral workaholism and pious athleticism. I, I read that quote about Monday, and, and I've, I keep returning back to it because there's a lot of stuff in there. When wonder is squeezed out of our lives, when, when, when I get into a place in my everyday life where I'm not looking around for God, where I'm not, uh, you know, where, where my mind is just kind of looking down at the ground all the time and it's just one uh, urgent thing after another coming my way, when I get into that, I just become more of a machine than a human being. I, I get on autopilot. I'm going through the motions. I may be looking towards Friday, but I'm not there in that moment. Work becomes drudgery. It just becomes a mean, a means of surviving. It's just, man, I just I got to do this. Um, if you've been a Christian very long, you 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 might have heard the priority sermon before. Has anybody ever heard the priority sermon? You may have preached it before. You may have told friends about it. But um, basically, the priority, sor- pri- priority sermon basically says this. You've got to get some priorities when it comes to the spiritual life. And what do you put at the pro- top of the list? Well, prayer. God, God. Prayer, God, it's the... Yeah. 
whatever. <laughs> so so you, you take a scripture like where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And so we, we kind of run that through our filter of uh, pr- productivity and economics and, and kind of the world we live in. And so we think, put God first. That means put him at the top of the list. And, and then, then you go down the list of, well, you got to put your spouse on there, and then your kids, and then your job, and then your church. It just depends who's preaching the sermon here. And then, and then all the way down to your recreational activities and, 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 and your pets and whatever. Um, and, and this idea of kind of the priority statement, it, it certainly works good in business. Has anybody ever found some good things from organizing your life? But I think that, that we miss it when we try this approach to spirituality because for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I could ask the wives in here this. Do you want to be just something on your list, on, on your husband's list of things to get around to? Do you, do you want to be just that person? Like, because reality is the priority thing does not operate relationally. If, you, if you've got the priority approach to God, this is the way it'll work. You'll get up in the morning, and you'll go to northshorevineyard.org, and you'll check out the 40 Days of Faith resource, and you, you, you'll do that, and you'll read those things, and, and you'll go, check. Great, I did the God thing today. And then you go, I'm off to work. Check. I'm home. Honey, I'm home. Check. Uh, I hugged my kids. Check. And, and, and the problem is, and I want you to think about this, Parents, do you ever ask your kids when they get home from school, how was your day? You ever ask them that question? And kids don't like that question. It's kind of an adult question, isn't it? You know, you're kind of like, why, why, do, why do they always ask me this? Like, how was your day? It was great. And, and parents are never satisfied with that answer. It was great. They always want to know, well, tell me about it. I went to class. I ate some fish sticks in the cafeteria. What do you want to know? But why do we ask that question? Why do we ask that question as parents? When, when your spouse comes home from work, why do you ask that question? How was your day, honey? You ask that question because what they do in their life matters to you. You actually, being in a relationship means that you, you want to share your life with them. You don't want to just, I mean, I know that your spouse doesn't want to hear every detail of your job and they don't want to know all the jargon that goes on with engineering or computers or or carpentry or whatever you do for a living. But they do want to share and how was your day? What's going on at work? There's no boxes there. See, when you have the priority kind of mentality with God, you got your God box here. You got your, your your family box, your work box, and nothing. You know, it's like, do we got any people here? You don't like food to touch each other on a plate. You know, some people are crazy about that. You know, they they get their, get all their things and don't. If it touches each other, I can't eat it. I can't eat it. But that's the way a lot of us are when it comes to prioritizing our lives when it, and our spirituality. We do things that are not relational at all. Yet we try to apply these to a God who is at his core relational. At his core is love, and he wants to be in all of it. God does not fit very well in your well-managed little box, does he? He wants to be in all of it. So what's a better way of, uh, of, of, of thinking of spirituality? Well, I was going to bring a bicycle tire tonight, but um, I, I didn't um, 
I didn't have it with me. <laughs> but picture in your mind a bicycle tire, a bicycle wheel. You've got the center of the wheel, and you've got spokes coming out from it. And this is your life. At the center, it's God. And every spoke that comes out of that, that's, that's your family, that's your job, that's your recreational time. But they all have common is that God is at the center. See, this idea that you could put God at the top of a list and check him off like, hey, I, I gave 10% of my income this week, God. Oh, I, I, I spent 15 minutes every day with you. I showed up and worshiped. That doesn't work with God. God's not after 10% of your checkbook. He's not after 15 minutes of your day. He's not after you just showing up once a week and worshiping. You know what? God wants all your money, <laughs> all your time, and he wants your worship not, not just one hour a week. He wants you to live a life that's worshipful. Same way that if you got a wife, she doesn't just want one little piece of you, one little section of you. She wants all of you, hopefully. <laughs> Husband's the same. You know, your spouse wants you. I mean, that's what you'd want in a relationship, right? You would want to know that the person with you, like, want, accepts all of, all of you and wants all of you. God's the same way. We sing a song here. Faith sings it more than I do. But it's called Jesus Be the Sinner. And, and it sounds like a simple song. But that's an that's a, that's a amazing theological truth. Jesus Be the Sinner. Whether I'm changing diapers, that's spiritual. Tell your husband that. <laughs> it's a spiritual thing. Changing diapers, that's spiritual. Cleaning house, spiritual. Being intimate with your spouse, spiritual. Driving your car, spiritual. You're thinking, well, it doesn't feel very spiritual to change a diaper, to clean a house. to. I mean, you don't know the guy I work with. It doesn't feel spiritual at all being there. God does not wish that we would have compartments anywhere in our lives. He wants to flood every piece of that. Now, does that mean that you've got to be walking around with a monk robe and, and, you know, or Jesus stickers on your car and, and, and T-shirts all the time that say, what would Jesus do or something? No. It means... That you're in relationship with God. You're living a life of worship. Jesus is at the center and everything else is a spoke. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said in Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. Whatever. In Greek it means like whatever. Like Whatever. I could roll my eyes, like whatever. Like whatever you do, do it as unto God. Here, here's another quote from uh, Eugene Peterson in the same book. He says this, Wonder, that astonished willingness to stop what we're doing, to stand still, open-eyed and open-handed, ready to make what is more another, ready to take what is more another, is not encouraged in the workplace. Anybody got jobs that encourage wonder, that, that just facilitate getting with God? No. But he goes on to say this. He says, but I'm prepared to contend that the primary location for spiritual formation, spiritual formation is just 
becoming what God uh, has called you to be, is the workplace. So he's saying we, we, we live in a workplace that's not conducive to wonder, but yet the workplace is the primary place where you're going to get transformed into the image of Christ, where you're gonna, that, that image of God within you is going to come forth. He says this, so how do we work for a living and spend such a huge chunk of our time each week in a worse pl- workplace that is unfriendly to wonder? How do we cultivate wonder, the resurrection wonder in which spiritual formation thrives? How do you do that? See, I know most of us, we get in these boxes. We, we, we kind of put God in the, the church box on Saturday night or the, you know, maybe a few minutes in the morning, maybe listen to a podcast, and, and we kind of just confine him to that because, honestly, we, we work at places where it's just, it's just hard. And some of y'all are saying, well, you work at a church. I'm telling you. Being at a church is not, in, you know, an envious thing. <laughs> Some people are like, man, if I could just work up at a church, it'd be so easy. People just praising the Lord all the time. <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't even know. <laughs> Sometimes they're pouring coffee on computers and cussing on the inside. Uh, <laughs> you know, back in the 1600s, there was a guy by the name of Nicholas Herman. You've probably heard of the guy before, but you don't know it. Um, he grew up a, a poor, poor person in France. I mean, he was so poor that when he was old enough to enlist in the French military, they actually had a military that, that fought back then. Uh, he, uh, just a little French joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> he, he enlisted just so he could have three meals a day. I mean, he, he was, I got to do something to eat. He ended up in the, it was around the time of the 30 years world, uh, 30 years war for uh, you history buffs. Uh, but after years of being in the army and doing that thing, one day in the winter, he, he, he looked at a tree and the tree seemed dead and withered. It seemed like it had no life. But as he's looking at this tree, God gets a hold of him. And all of a sudden, he experienced hope. He said, you know what, this tree, it looks dead. It's not really dead. It doesn't look like it's alive at all, but it is. As soon as the season changes, this tree's going to come back to life. And he felt like God was saying that about him. He, he felt like he was in such a dead place with life, like, like things were withered and, and cold and gray and drab. And, and, and he, he, he didn't know what to do, but at that moment he felt hope that if he turned his life over to God, things would begin to change. Well, a uh, short time after he had an injury and was he couldn't serve in the army anymore. Make a long story short, sh- short he uh, he ended up checking in as a monk at this uh, a Carmelite monk. Which I'm not sure what a Carmelite is, but um, uh, he he checks in to be a monk of this order of the Carmelites, and he changes his name to uh, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. So you, you may know him by that name. But when he checked in to be a monk. Uh, he, he wasn't educated, so they didn't have any positions open for him to study theology and just kind of, you know, talk about uh, theology or teach people about God because he just didn't know much. So they said, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be our cook. And so Brother Lawrence ends up in a kitchen cooking for monks. Being a monk is a pretty obscure job to begin with. You're not going to run across a lot of people being a monk. But being somebody in the kitchen at a monastery, you're, going to, you're not going to run across hardly anybody. It's a very uh, tucked away position. 
But Brother Lawrence began saying, you know, he, he took that, that scripture that Paul said, do everything unto God. He took it serious. He said, you know, I'm going to make it my goal in life to love God every moment, to be in a constant conversation with the Lord every moment, to, to do uh, my cleaning, my peeling potatoes, my cutting up carrots, my sweeping the floor, my boiling water, my taking out trash. I'm going to do it as if I was in a group of people singing worship songs to God. It's going to be my song. It's the way I'm living. And so he did that for like 30 years. And then he got to a point where he couldn't do that anymore. And so you know what his next job was? Fixing shoes. Glamorous, huh? Exciting. I mean... Some of you, you don't like cooking two days in a row. <laughs> and I'm sure what they were eating in a French monastery, I don't know if it was even good stuff, you know. But he, he, he made it his goal, moment by moment, to become aware of the presence of God. You know, after a while, people started saying, this dude, Lawrence, man, he has got peace that won't quit. It, it's crazy. And so here he was, tucked away in this kitchen, in a monastery, and all of a sudden, people started coming from all around just to sit down and ask him questions and, and you know, try to get counsel on their life. I mean, there's no reason this guy should have gotten known, but, but people saw there was something different. He was living his life to worship. Just a regular job, though, okay? Understand that. You get that? Just a regular old job, that monotonous, boring, day in, day out, a job that none of the other monks wanted to do. But he encountered God in it over and over. When he died, they published uh, some of his work. And uh, it, came, it, it became known as Practicing the Presence of God. Anybody ever heard of that book before? Yeah. He, uh, and what's amazing, I mean, he, he died, uh, I think, the late 1600s, early 1700s. That's uh, it's a time when there was a lot of tension between uh, the Catholics and the Protestants because the Protestant Reformation was pretty new. But Brother Lawrence, his stuff was popular with Martin Luther, popular with Catholics, Protestants alike. They just saw it. It was just, it was just God. This guy, in his simplicity, learned how to connect with God. And now you can still get the... I mean, I've read the book. A lot of people... It's, it's still an amazing book. I'm, I'm going to probably put it in our little... Did y'all notice we got some books in there? We got more than three books this week. Still only have one CD. We got some books in our bookstore. I'll probably get that to add to the collection. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, this is the message translation. Jesus says this. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than food that you put in your stomach, and there's more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to God than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror even gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think that it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. 
if most of your life is spent working, doing mundane activities. Anybody got a real glamorous job in here? I didn't think so. We don't, we don't attract those kind of people yet with the glamorous jobs. <laughs> that was in my mission statement. I want to do a church for the glamorous job people. Uh, hasn't worked yet. So if most of your, of your life, most of your waking life is spent at a job that doesn't cultivate wonder, it's not glamorous, it's a thankless job, whether you're a homemaker or whether you work uh, for a living, how can you cultivate a sense of wonder? How can you live the kind of life that, that say, this, this Brother Lawrence lived? You know, I talked to a guy this last week uh, here in Covington, uh, and he began to share some of his story. He's, he's in recovery uh, from addiction to painkillers and um, pills. And uh, he, uh, he began telling me his story. And he, he said, basically, he was on, on these pills for about 11 years. And uh, at, the, at the very bottom... Of, of his addiction. He, he had so much drugs in his system. There was doctors who would not even treat him. They, they're like, if we try to stop your addiction, you're going to die. I mean, if we try to cut you off right now, y- you're going to die. And anyway, they ended up trying to do something to him. His, people were trying to help him out in his family, and, and they took him down to East Jefferson Hospital and, and checked him in there, and, and they, they ended up putting him in the, in the psych ward. And, and they put him on a couple other drugs to kind of try to stabilize him, which just made him, uh, he, he was just really out of it. And he actually got to a point where he's looking around at all these crazy people, and he thought he, he'd actually cross the line. Like, he thought he was never coming back. Like, he was just a mess. And uh, after a couple of days of that, they ended up taking, to, taking him to a, a, a rehab center in Mississippi or something. And he said a few days into that, the doctors kind of corrected. They, they realized they'd put him on some bad things. So they kind of corrected that. And uh, within a few days, things started coming out of his system. And, and, and finally, he woke up one morning, 6.30 in the morning. He said, I looked out the window. And for the first time in 11 years, I heard birds. I thought, wow, that's an amazing statement. For the first time in 11 years, I heard birds singing. He said, it was like I'd been in a cloud for 11 years of my life. I, did, I, I, I couldn't see what was going on. And you and I, we can, we can look at, oh, yeah, I, I understand that an addict would be like, oh, this stupid drug addict, stupid people who are addicted to pills. But you know what? <laughs> Truth is, how many of us go about our days and we never hear the birds? We never see the wonder around us. We're, we're, we're so, as Eugene Peter said it, Peterson said it, we're so squeezed of wonder in our life that that we're only motivated by anxiety and guilt and pressure from all sides. Jesus says, go outside, look at the flowers. You're wrapped up in your life, your life is all crazy and stuff, go outside, look at some flowers. Listen to the birds. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they amazing? And if God He's going to take care of birds. How much more is he going to take care of you? Because you know what? Birds don't bear the image of God. But you do. You show forth the image of God. You're, you're created special for that purpose.
God is always up to something around us, but most of us are too busy <laughs> to see what it is. You know what? God's all, I think it's like the radio. <laughs> God's always saying stuff. There's always something going on around you. Most of us don't turn on the channel. Most of us do not pay attention. Like I said last week, I, and I'm, I'm trying something new. Don't try to call me tomorrow, okay? Because tr- I tried this thing last Sunday. It was amazing. I, I kind of went into some withdrawals, but I, I took my phone, and, and, and I, I turned it off. I didn't answer any emails. I didn't check Twitter. I didn't even check Facebook. And I was like, <laughs> you can do this. Be strong. I had beads of sweat. And, uh, but I, you know what I did? I, I sat out on the back porch with the fire pit, and I listened to the birds. And I looked up at the sky. I did absolutely nothing productive at all. But I, I felt like I was with God. I was there. I felt like my sense of hearing, like like the receiver. You know, you listen to your radio sometimes, you're between channels and things are kind of fuzzy and stuff. I felt like things just began to clear up. We started to lock in. I started to begin hearing what God was saying again. I started to notice him again. And my challenge to you, to each of us, myself included, this week, maybe instead of checking your email 15 times a day, Maybe instead of checking Facebook 15 times a day or your Twitter. I'm not saying all those things are bad, okay? But maybe, maybe a couple of those times, maybe you can just say, God, what are you doing right now? What are you up to? What are you up to in this line in Walmart? I know God, I don't, it's hard for me to get my mind around the fact that God might be at a line in Walmart, but I think he's there. God, what are you saying? What are you doing right now? God, what are you doing in in this conversation? You ever feel like sometimes you get interruptions in your week and you just get aggravated because nothing's going on according to plan? People coming into your life and I'm trying to get something done here and you're not even paying attention. Maybe this week when you get distracted with people, with situations, maybe you can just say, God, what are you saying here? What are you saying? What are you doing? What, What do I need to be paying attention to right now? Jesus says, uh, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about clothes, food, housing. Don't worry about any of that. Don't let that be your reason for living. He said, seek first God's kingdom. Look for what God's doing. And God's going to take care of the rest. Wouldn't that be an amazing free way to live if you could actually take Jesus serious there? I mean, if you could really actually take him serious, wouldn't that be an amazing way to live? It would. Why don't you guys stand up? Let's pray. I want to read one, one little quote here from a guy named Oswald Chambers. Uh, he, he wrote a devotional called My Utmost, My Utmost for His Highest. And I want you to think about this. He says this, My personal life may be crowded with small, petty happenings, altogether insignificant. But if I obey Christ in the seemingly random circumstances of life, they become pinholes through which I see the face of God. Then when I stand face to face with God, I will discover that through my obedience, thousands were blessed. Father God, I just pray that for every person in here tonight, God, that you would help us just grace us, grace us this week to, to be able to not just get caught up 
in the flow of one distraction after another, but, but to have eyes and ears attentive to what you're doing, to listen for what you're saying. God, that we could respond to you moment by moment. Lord, that we could have an ongoing conversation with you through our day. Lord, that we could share life with you. We, we would throw away this flimsy little box that we've tried to keep you in, and, and we would just let you explode in our days, in our free time, in our conversations. And I just pray that, that you would expand our view of you. Lord, help us. Help us, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen.